Welcome to Equity For Real. I'm your host, Lawanda Knox, bringing you the realest stories by the realest people in the cannabis industry today. Today we have a special guest. We have Ryan from uh, Rosemary Jane, the dispensary in Oakland, a new dispensary in Oakland. And uh, but Ryan is not new to the cannabis industry and he has the experience and expertise that we need because he is a buyer who actually has experience buying equity products and brands and non-equity products and brands. And so Ryan is here to uh, share with us the knowledge and information that he has so that uh, we can get that inside information. So um, Ryan, welcome. Thank you for, for your time and for being here today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you very much, Lawanda. Um, thank you so much for having me here today. Um, I am uh, Ryan. I'm the product director for Rosemary Jane. Like Lawanda said, I will um, be in charge of all Rosemary Jane stores in the state of California when the others open. Um, I am currently doing the purchasing uh, for this store. And previously, uh, I worked at Harborside for um, seven years where I did uh, purchasing and inventory control, helped them with compliance and getting into uh, 2018 adult use. Um, prior to that, um, I was also a buyer at the CBCB. Um, so I've had a pretty good before and after compliance uh, history and knowledge of products um, and born and raised here in Oakland. So yes, I do appreciate Oakland and my love of not just open products, but the Oakland equity and the whole group that we're here to support today. Awesome. Thank you. And uh, Ryan actually helped us and helped us out and provided us with a, a checklist of common questions and things that we can know beforehand to uh, questions that will come from buyers and things that you should know. And so today we were going to discuss uh, getting prepared and and going over some of that information. Uh, so we'll just kind of go down the list, Ryan, and 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 let the people know, um, you know, what what you would be looking for, and and from your perspective, how you see things. So one of the common questions is, uh, do you do net terms? And it's things about the, the inventory itself, the product itself, correct? That's what like these first set of questions are. Yeah, this is um, a little bit of direct uh, product terms. And also this is also gonna be a little bit of accounting. Um, and, but at the same time as it is first steps of negotiation um, because some people do, um, there is a little trick to net terms is, you know, do you or do you not accept net terms? Net terms being, um, instead of when the product shows up, they pay for it, that would be COD or cash on delivery. Um, this is a certain amount of days um, agreed upon between yourselves and the uh, retail shop of how many days from after delivery they can pay for this product. Um, some stores will look for around 21 to 30 days, like myself. Um, others will look for shorter or even longer. So know exactly what you can maintain as a brand and what you can substantiate as an accounting distance. Um, but also on the flip side, know what your, um, if you can get a better price for COD orders, make sure when you have a price menu built that you have that built in so that you do tell people like, yes, it's $15 if I give you net 21 days. But 
if you can pay COD, I can give you that product for 14. Um, so it gives them an encouraging reason to do COD to give you money faster to close a, these uh, outstanding invoices as fast as possible. And, and that's why you were saying it's important for the brands to know their margins so Correct. that they can know where, um, where they have room in order to uh, negotiate. Yes, when you go into these things, be prepared that whatever's written on your menu that the buyer's first question is probably going to be the second you show it to them is, well, how much below this line can you go? Um, so you wanna make sure that you know that number and feel comfortable with it. Um, so that you know that like, hey, like I don't wanna go below my margin where like the company or myself is going to be hurting. And I definitely don't wanna be at a point um, where anything doesn't, continued business helps both sides of this brand new partnership. Um, so it's very important to know what starting point, where your margin is at the whole range. Okay, awesome. And then, uh, then there's like basic questions like, what is your case size? Do you have an order minimum? Uh, and then, you know, how do you take payments? And, uh, you know, who is your distributor? It's like, basically, you know, things that you should know off tops before walking into a conversation with a buyer, because these are just some of the really like basic fundamental things to do business. If you're ready to do business, um, you would know the answer to those things for your business. Correct. And that's just, you want to go in there prepared and confident. So when they do start asking questions, you have answers. And also remember your time may be very limited with these buyers. So you want to be sure that you give them as much information as you physically can probably get used to talking about your entire company in 20 minutes. So that's the, so that's the pitch. So, so the pitch is you should be able to hit on these points right off the bat within that time frame, the 20 minutes um, or less. And, and the buyer should walk away with a clear understanding of what the product is, what your terms are and the, and what's unique or um, yeah, what's basically why they should buy in that pitch. Yeah. And it doesn't hurt to go into those meetings, like look at their menu, see where your product falls in their menu. Do you fill a void? Do you fall into somewhere that's already very crowded um, and have a night that gives you a better understanding of what their need of your product is when you start their conversation. So always take time to look at their menu and do research of where you're going. I like that. That's very helpful. Uh, and then there's some, some expectations that come with uh, getting your product on the shelf. Uh, it looks like the buyers have certain expectations like, do you have a brand ambassador to do demo days or, or pop-ups? And, uh, you know, do you, what is your salesperson's contact information? And, oh, can you run any deals that you can cover like 15 to 25% off? So can you talk a little bit more about, um, oh, also promotional items? and swag. So there's certain there's a certain lift here that you that buyers expect that the brands do um, in order to get their product sold once it's on the shelves. Is that correct? Yes. And then um, it's basically, you know, step two of doing business. You got the product on the shelf. Good job. Now, step two, 
tell the whole world that it's there. So they go there and buy it. So they'll buy some more um, because if they just get it on the shelves and it just sits there, it doesn't do them any good. It's not a fast paced product. It's not a good product. It's not an amazing product. What you've got to do is turn it into one of those products by making your brand dynamic. You come in and as soon as your product's delivered, you come in, you offer staff training. So the entire staff is knowledgeable and up to speed on what your product is, how it's made, what's in it, what the process is, and so on. So they can answer questions that they're going to get on the sales floor. Um, then secondarily, be able to do um, the brand ambassador, a BA, um, however you like to verbiage it, um, come into the store and be able to do a pop-ups either monthly, every other week or something like that to give an extra salesperson who's literally just speaking the good word of your brand on the floor um, for three to six hours. So all you have is a basically a cheerleader on their floor speaking about your brand for as long as they can be on there. And that's free to the retail store and priceless to you because that just means more and more customers are seeing your product, learning about your product and taking a chance on your product because they're getting some information about it. Well, so what you described to me sheds a lot of light on some of the mystery. It demystifies some of the questions that we get, which is, you know, why didn't I get this reorder? You know, I, I, I brought my product there, was on the shelf, and then I didn't, I never got um, a call back to, for a reorder. And it sounds like what you're describing is uh, there's, well, like you said, good job. You got the product on the shelf, but um, there's more that's just the beginning. There's more work to be done to actually getting the product into consumers' hands. And if and if the store doesn't sell through uh, the product within a certain time frame, then when it's time for that store, to, the buyer to reorder, they still have product. Is that is that what? So what does that sell through kind of look like? Is it a certain amount of days um, that you uh, want inventory on hand? And then if cool. that like can you explain that part a little bit more yeah well for me like and that goes on to the list as you'll see farther down as uh it comes into the questions that you will eventually ask the buyer on your side on the flip side of the conversation um and that is um like how many days of inventory does the retailer keep on hand do they try to buy for 21 days are they purchasing only for seven days um do they have a huge warehouse and they like to have 45 days on hand like what is their, what are they going for? What is their routine looking like? Um, and then also how often do they buy? Like if you have a buyer who tries to buy a month supply, so he doesn't have to talk to you, but once a month, oh, that's why I'm only talking to you once a month, because that's your, that's your cycle. Oh, now I understand that you're purposely only talking to me once a month because that's what you're doing. Now I get it. Or you're like, it's a buyer like me who every week is looking at their menu, looking at their inventory and being like, and making phone calls per as needed. Um, if your product is moving faster, you will get weekly phone calls. If your product is also in certain categories where it's a fast mover category, like an edible or a flower or a cartridge, um, there's a good chance you are going to get weekly to bi-weekly e uh, emails or phone calls or contacts asking for reorders. If you have a topical or a tincture or um, a wellness product, it may be more of a longer term turnaround just because people use those products slower. Oh, that's 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 just so valuable. <laughs> what you're saying is so is valuable information. Uh, let's see here. And then some of the other questions it, that buyers may have is, uh, do you do you do reimbursement by sending payment or credit on the next delivery? So 
Can you explain? Okay, so reimbursement. So that um, is basically for if you can do like, so if I run a sale and I've I've talked to you before the sale happened and I'm like, Lawanda, I would like to run a 20% off with your brand. Can you cover that 20% off? And you're like, Ryan, no, I can't cover 20%, but I can do 15%. I'm like, not a problem. We'll run 15%. And we confirmed it through email. So we have a confirmation that a 20, 15% deal is going to be run for either a day or for a week of your product. I run the deal. Then I run a report in my system where I see, oh, look, I sold the Lawanda eights and I sold 37 of them on that day. I ran that deal with, with Lawanda. So I take that wholesale price and I take 15% off it of 15 of the number of units that I sold. And then I send that to you and I'm like, hey, I'm placing my next order. But just so you know, this is the credit back that you owe me for the deal that you confirmed that I could run. And so I would like to make my order of $1,500 minus the difference of the credit from the last deal wow okay got it totally makes sense um so so don't be surprised when you're uh if you're the if you're the brand or you're you're selling and that reorder comes and then your that credit is there uh you know don't be surprised because that's just how it works because right. that and was then, what you agreed on that's and how so tracking your deals with all the different retailers is very important being organized of having a spreadsheet or having something where you know like especially on 420 if you're in 57 right. stores you've got 57 deals possibly going on your product like you have to be able to keep track of that so that your accountant or yourself can make sure that hey when these people come a call and asking for credits you understand what they're talking about and you are able to track it um, most brands are going to be like me where they want that back in a credit. Some will ask if it's possible to get like a straight check sent to them so they can get reimbursed. So you have to be able to agree on those terms beforehand um, and make sure everybody on both parties understands how this deal is going to be accomplished and reimbursed at the end. Awesome. Okay. So then, so then there's some other questions like, do you have promotional items for sale instead? Is it right? So, Go that, ahead. so that's to offset. Um, like if you like if you have tiny margins and you cannot put a 15% deal or a look a really pretty looking 30% off on a heart like on a 420 deal or something like that, and there's some big retailer just like, hey, well, I want a big deal to try to really draw attention. It's like, well, okay. So I've got these promotional units. And what they are is they are single serves or sample sizes or one gram nugs or whatever they are um, of samples of your products that are to me given to the retailer for a cost of a penny. I charge the world either a penny or two pennies for them. And so that way a product, the person comes in and they're like, oh, I like to buy this Lawanda Knox 8. They're like, great, Lawanda Knox 8's come today with this special promo unit and you get this special you know, pre-roll gram for buying the Lawanda Knox 8s, thank you very much. And that's just as supplies last. You've given me 50 of them. I've, you know, so every time somebody buys one of your products, they get this promo unit. And then instead of a credit dealing back situation where I've got to run a report, it's just, okay, well, I've ran through all my promo units. That must have been a good deal. Nice. So these are all the things to think through that would be uh it's it's, it's like a partnership with the, the retailer, but also just thinking of um, from the consumer's perspective, you know, how do you get that product in that bag and how do you get it in front of them? So these are all great ideas thinking outside of the box um, that yeah. these are and, tools in the tool chest. 
Right. And one of the best things to do with promotional units is also to um, incentivize like, hey, let's not run a deal on my brand new product that's small and in your store. Let's just run a deal that if anybody buys anything in right. your store, they get my promotional unit just to try. And that way that puts if that store sees 120 people and you give them 200 promo units. Well, guess what? 120 people who have never tried your product just walked out of the store with with a single taster of your product. And now they're going to try it and they're going to go back to the place where they always shop and they might just buy your product next time because they really enjoyed that promotional unit. Yeah. And this, this is uh this is something that, that retail has done for a long, but you know, buy it and try it. So this is just a, a different approach for cannabis to, to sample for, to get consumers to sample your product. They may not be sampling in the store, they're sampling when they get home, but it's the same concept. So I really like this idea. Um, and then let's see here. So then there's like, do you have swag? Do you have a marketing team? You know, now usually the marketing team is also the person that's making the product. <laughs> <laughs> they're wearing multiple hats but um but again it, it sounds like if you're if you're small and you're just starting out uh you know the it, it the the buyer does have expectations uh that you will do some some marketing that the brand does marketing of their product and to that end it is we're asking like and it's not just like marketing like don't think safeway or huge retail think how can, how do smaller brands, like even myself, how do we market? Well, we used what everybody else is using in the area. So we're using Facebook, we're using websites, we're using Instagram, we're using Twitter. Um, we're talking to our friends, we're going to industry events. That is marketing. When you turn to somebody to your left and you tell them about your brand that they've never heard of, you just marketed your brand out into the world by one. Um, so that is exactly what you're doing and that's all we're asking. So if that person, that contact is still you when you're walk talking to that buyer, then hey, that answer is, hey, guess what, it's me. I, I take care of that and I'm the sales rep and I'm the BA and I'm the delivery driver. I do it all and you know it. Um, and the fact of the matter is that's fine. All we ask is like, hey, can we, you know, when you put us on your Instagram of like, hey, this is a new shop that we just dropped at. Can you put us on your website of, hey, no locations where to find my product and add my store to the store locator button. Little things like that um, is all we're asking for. It's not heavy lifting all the time. Um, it's when it comes to marketing, it's just usually like when we're starting to ask about pictures and digital assets. Okay, awesome. So you've touched on quite a few things here. So I'm, I'm glad I think we're going at a good pace. Uh, so then there's events. And so, so are like, one of the questions was, are there any events you've been a part of and could participate in with us. So you would think a lot of people would want to, to jump on that on the on the event side or even see that as a a um, it's another opportunity. So what so can you explain a little bit more about how the events work and what and what type of events that you're talking about? So for for us at Rosemary Jane, like we have a huge patio space, we have a full area where we are doing events and we are events are part of our store. Um, so when you do you know, come to sell product to somebody like myself who has an event space, I will ask like, hey, do you have anything that you can, have you ever done an event? Like, have you gone to a 
Hall of Flowers? Have you gone to a First Friday? Have you gone to another store and been part of their 420 event? Like, have you done any of these things? Do you have any event spirits? And if you have, great, just tell me exactly what you did so I know that you can do those things again. And those are just experiences that you have. So it's like, yes, we can put a, we have a table, we can put a tablecloth on it, we can put a tent over it, like, your event ready. Um, so great. Um, you have tables, you have, you know, people that can stand behind them and talk about your products. Um, that brings back the swag thing. Like, Hey, you have free stuff where I can just give out a lanyard, a sock, uh, a hat, a scarf, um, whatever it is and be like, or do raffles with those cool products. Like, Hey, check out my branded, awesome, you know, Lawanda jacket. Like it's so cool. Um, if you, you know, buy this eighth, you get entered into the raffle. Um, so it's all those little things that we can do um, to keep that focus forward and add to the different creation of your brand. Okay, so now I'm going, thank you, that's, that's awesome. So now I'm going to uh, talk a little bit about the, because I mean, the events is like what you described is like, how do you present? How do you present in front of the customer? Um, do you have your things ready? But there's also the product, how does the product present? And so I'm going to, uh, we're going to talk about, you know, what the digital assets and then um, how that translates into what the customers um, are, you know, like brand awareness. And, you know, can they can they point out their favorite brand or is it difficult or are we making it too difficult for them by changing up the, the, the image and the packaging too much? So, um, so first question is, you know, if you as far as the digital assets go on the online menus, what is your, what do you think is um, the best way to present the product? Um, well, as you can see, you're probably like, if you look at the top three products right there, um, the third is a gen, not to want to say generic, but a basically a generic photo, a stock photo that comes from my own library. Uh, when a brand doesn't have a flower or brand logo to present itself, I just have to put a random nug shot so people know, hey, this is at least flower. Um, now, next product over, now it's clear. This is a Kana product with a collective cross. Um, they did a collaboration with Buddies. But just from looking at it, you know, bad eyesight and all, I'm not 100% sure what the product is. Um, but I do know that it's from a brand I trust. Great. It's Kana. Okay, great. I know that. Um, but then there's the third um, picture on the far right, and it shows Jungle Boys with a nug in front of it. So very clearly, you're like, oh, Jungle Boys, know that brand, nug, that's their flower. Okay, so this is a Jungle Boys flower. I'm already done. Now, if I'm interested in that product and actually want to read the information, now I'll go a little farther and I'll start reading like, oh, look, this has this amount of test percentage on it. This has this terpenes in it. And so it's information, information, information after that. But that's, of course, on the retailer's website setup. Um, for your end, what you need to know is about 80% of the shopping world in the Bay Area looks at a website before they go shopping for a product. Um, so that means if they're looking at weed maps, if they're looking at the store website, if they're looking on your Instagram, they're looking to hunt down their brand and they want to be able to find exactly the product they're looking for. You want to be able to give a good representation, preferably on a white background, because most brands use a white background. And just have your brand with your logo facing forward. And I will say this, if you want to put the strain on it, that's great. 
but be prepared to have a new picture with a different strain name every time you get a different strain on your product. If you have a repeater product where it's like an edible, a topical or a capsule where it's just the same strain, same chocolate bar, same lavender soap, then that picture will always stay the same. But if you sell flour or concentrate or cartridges, um, then you're going to have a variation in color, consistency, and the way things look. So you have to find a picture that represents your brand, the maybe the vessel, like if it's a cartridge, a really good cartridge shot without the strain name on it, with just the brand name and the cartridge, you're like, oh, look, there's our cartridge. That's what it looks like. This is the brand. That's our brand. Everybody knows now this is a cartridge with. So people have a really good inclination what that is. Kind of like the Jetty one below, where you see it's a concentrated dablicator. All the pictures are basically the same, except for the one little strain information is the only little tag thing that they changed for every single one was they added a little um, strain information blurb on a little gold dot. Um, but besides that, the box is identical to in all three. Correct. Thank you. Thank you so much for um, breaking that down for us because I think that's one of the other areas uh, where it's a missed opportunity to look at it from the consumer's perspective, making it easier for them to identify the brand um, and, and identify at that point which you know variety or that they're looking for. But if they can't even identify the brand easily and, we, and we're making it too difficult for them because maybe it's too much artwork, it's too busy or they're, they're too different, then they'll probably go to, they'll make an easier choice if they have options. So I think that's very um, helpful, Ryan. I appreciate it. All right. So then, just a, a few, a couple more qu questions. Um, let's see here. So I want to go back to the knowing your margins part again because I th I think that was like that. I think that just hits home for a lot of folks um, because if especially if um, the retailer or distributor is asking for deals and uh, so, and, and that, that plays out in a lot of different ways. It, it seems like it plays out in the net terms, like, or, or like cash on delivery type of negotiating. Uh, it also plays out um, when the, the buyer wants to know how much they can mark it up, how much they can mark the product up. So can you, can you talk a little bit more about um, why it's helpful for the brand to know their margins so well? Um, it's, it's helpful for them to know it so well, just, um, for continued business, of course, you want to be able to grow, um, at this stages in your company, every, everything you make in your margin is literally being put right back into the company just to try to expand the inventory, to expand the, all the overall business itself. So that's why every penny is really a penny saved. Um, and then knowing when you do go into a negotiation, like, Hey, I cannot go below $12 cause that's my X number. Um, knowing the numbers, knowing what you're doing is always important. Also knowing that buyers are no, basically no longer um, keystoning, which is they're no longer multiplying your product by two. Um, they're not just taking, okay, you have a you have a $20 product that you're selling and you have an MRSP of 40. Well, they look at that MRSP and the first question I ask, are you set on that price or are you going to have, you could be okay with me charging more for that than that? Um, so have a product and show it as a 
as a good product to them as well, include an ex slightly bigger um, margin on their side. So as, when you do have a $20 item, don't put 40, put, oh, you could easily sell this at 45 or something like that. And then that way the store itself sees that product as a bigger margin product. Like, oh, look, this product that I, I'm seeing in my hand, I'm holding it because you're talking to me about it and it's beautiful. And I can see that it's gorgeous and I can definitely, somebody would buy this flower if they could see it. And okay, and it's, a, oh, it's a great price. Oh, and you can get me another dollar off and I can still charge 45. There's My margin just went through the, the way, way up. To them, it seems like a product they're gonna buy on a regular basis. So then you can, of course, thin your margin down if, it looks like a product that's going to move on a regular basis. But then, of course, we can always have the bigger conversation with people. When you talk to the bigger stores and be like, hey, if you can set and guarantee that you're going to buy two pounds every other week or X amount every other week, we can also negotiate my margin down a little bit because I know that my units are going to compensate for my price that I'm giving you. But I need to know that you're going to get that. And don't be afraid to put that in writing. Um, these are not just handshake deals. They need to be written down somewhere um, and followed up. Whenever you have meetings with people, whenever you talk to people, the first thing you should do is go back to your vehicle, your office, wherever, and write down in your notes everything you talked about and then send them an email of a follow-up like, hey, we just talked about this. I just want to let sure we're all on the same page. Did it didn't go? And then that way, when you do have further conversations with them, it's not from scratch. You're starting off from that email of everything you've already discussed. And that's your starting point. And that's where your margins are going to be built. And you're going to be able to see like, hey, I, I've established this person that they I they don't need to bend me over and take it down to like a $10, you know, when I ask for 15, they can take it down to 13 and we can meet in that middle and I still make 52% on my side. So my business is still growing and they've got a margin of 54%. They're stoked. Everybody's happy. I like it. Thank you so much for breaking that down. Um, because I think that knowing, knowing where, the retailer is coming from and, and just how to better position um, yourselves going into a negotiation with knowing that how it works, I think is going to be help people a lot. So I appreciate it. And then uh, some of my, my last questions was um, what you can ask the buyer is like, how often do you place the orders? What days and hours do you take deliveries? And how many days of inventory do you carry? And I, and I think you know, asking, those are great questions to ask. Why, why do you like when buyers, or excuse me, when sellers ask you that, brands ask you those questions? Um, it also, it gives, as a buyer, it gives me more brand confidence um, because they're aware of these things. Um, when you're aware of like, hey, this brand, like this retailer is going to call me every week. So let's make sure that I give them, if they're gonna order on Mondays or they're gonna order on a Friday, then let me get a little spreadsheet going then. Okay. So Ryan orders on Friday mornings, Thursday night, I'm going to send him my freshest fresh menu every Thursday. So every Thursday that retailer has my best menu ready for the day that he's ready to buy the next day. Um, if it's um, so also making sure they have my menu available. If they're one of my VIP accounts, like, Hey, I've got 10 accounts 
that are just ballers. Like these are my 10 guys that are just, they're selling everything. They buy 75% of my entire inventory. Well, guess what? Those 10 get special VIP treatment. They make sure I know, I know every day that they're placing orders, they get, whenever I have a fresh drop, they're getting a fresh email. Those are the guys I'm really paying attention to. Um, so it's, those are, this is why you're asking these questions of like, when you're doing these things, how many days of inventory do you need on hand? Oh, well, let's see, we've been working together for a few months, you're going through about a half pound a week, you need three weeks, okay, so you need a pound and a half of this one strain, just to have three weeks of inventory. So now I know that if I'm coming to you with a, a menu, I better have at least six pounds on my menu, so that I can give you what you actually want to order. Wow, so it's, it's like, so number one, I'm hearing customer service, you know, that's, that's just good service for a brand. It's, it's a different way of thinking or approaching the buyer because it's like, I have learned your habits. I know I'm going to make your job easier to tell me yes, because I'm paying attention and I'm, I'm ready and I'm, and I'm on, I know your schedule. So it's more likely I'm, I'm setting up this relationship so that, that it's easier for us to do business you know what I'm saying? Because if I'm, the, it sounds like the way you described would be the approach I would take to make uh, life easier for us to do business. It's mutual. It's a mutual thing. It's, and so it's not me waiting because if, if I'm a brand that's waiting for the buyers to call me back, but I, but there's other brands that are pursuing that relationship in a way that makes sense for the buyer to say yes, then guess what? Uh, the buyer is going to pay more attention to that person that's on it, you know, the sending me their menu, like you said, um, and versus the one that's waiting for that phone call. It just makes sense, you know, that you would that you would pay more attention. You as the buyer are going to pay more attention to the brands that are on it versus the brands that are waiting for you to you to call them back. Right. And then, of course, those brands will also get, you know, you'll again gain favor with those buyers because it's like you will be the person that's in their ear when there's like oh well it's hey 420 is going to be planned in three months let's make sure you're part of it because you're one of my brands it's always helping me out and making my life easier would you like to be a headliner for 420 you're like yes i would you know increase my order by 30 percent. let's rock and roll um you know and then you're always that person that's always available to the brand and you'll get more options and more availability of things that you can do with that retailer Wow. Um, one last question. Let's see. So this is more like a tip. So this is on the tip, like tips that you can give brands uh, because, you know, these are things you may have seen before. So you've already mentioned, you know, check the store's menu, see what they're missing or what they may have too much of. Um, there's also like never talking down, uh, never talk a brand down to upsell yours. Why, why is that a pet peeve? Why is that a um, it's a pet peeve, um, mostly because you're going to the first thing you're going to probably do on accident is step on the um, ego of that buyer. Um, and if you first thing you do right after hello is step on the ego of the person you're trying to sell something to, you're instantly putting up a secondary wall you have to get over. So it was hard enough to get past the I want to be on your menu wall. But now you got to get over the wall of do is this person even listening to me anymore? Um, because they're the ones who are in charge of putting that menu together. They're the ones who were either put that product on the menu because they believed in it or were told to by their bosses that they had to. Um, so you 
don't really want to start off a conversation with, well, I'm great because X is bad. No, it should always just be, these are the these are the positives of my life. These are the positives that I bring you. These are the positives that I can do for you. These are the positives that I can do for your company. This is how much easier I can make your life. This is how much better we'll both be if we're both working together. Um, just think positive, be positive. Um, if you spend your time looking at other brands, that means you're not working hard enough on your own. Um, like you really shouldn't be like looking to see what like, and then, of course, you got to know how the buyer buys. Um, myself, I don't follow the headset top threes. Um, I know what the big brands are in the state. Um, but again, I try the product. I evaluate the product. So another thing is finding out how buyers do their evaluations. Do they have a team? Some buyers don't even get to do the evaluation. Some buyers are taking your product and handing it off to a team that's above them to decide, does that product go to them? So again, um, the last thing to do is to make sure that, hey, how is your evaluation product process run? Like, like, am I giving this product to the correct person? Am I, do you need six to eight samples so that the team can all try it? Um, or do you just need one sample for just yourself? Um, and then of course, make sure your samples are the best representations that you guys can provide. Um, I have many a time had to tell people when they've handed me a old jar of something or a really pathetic looking pre-roll. And I've said with a smile on my face, is this the product you'd like me to evaluate your brand on? Um, and they've nicely said no and taken it back. And I said, not a problem, send me a fresh one. Um, so just be honest with them. If the one, the sample you have is the one you carried around and you've carried around for six months, show it to them, do not give it to them. Give them a product that is fresh and product that is actually a good representation of your brand. That's right. And then, and even what goes with that is, you know, making sure that your samples are ready in metric because, right? Because a, a retailer can't even receive the samples um, unless those samples are already set up in metric. So being, you know, you, you may have a great pitch and you may have a good conversation with the buyer, they're interested, but if you're not even ready on the back end to, to get the samples to them quickly uh, in the right way, then you're also kind of, you're not ready. And to that point, um, be scheduling prepared. Um, if you do have a meeting set up with, um, like you have a meeting scheduled with me in two weeks. Okay, well, my meeting with Ryan is on the May 1st. Okay, not a problem. So on May 1st, let me go talk to my distributor, make sure my distributor can get him product before that date. So that when I show up, we're both looking at the same thing. If I can't get him product by the first, make sure I can bring something to show um, at the very least, bring a compliant like sample of what I've got um, and apologize and say, I can't leave this with you, but um, your samples are coming shortly. Um, it also shows that you have a, you know, a competent distributor shows the brand um, and the retailer that they can either they've are familiar with your distributor or it gets them to know that your distributor can handle um, doing metric compliantly. Wow, thank you so much. It's like, I, we, it's, I can't tell you how much this information means because I think that um, the listeners will definitely have heard something that they can implement right away. And then there might be things that they realize, you know what, I need 
better, I need to invest in better um, assets, or, you know, maybe I don't have that, I haven't really put that much into my IG following now, I, I should do that. Or, you know, maybe I should sit down with my bookkeeper or accountant and figure out, you know, how do I get, how, how much wiggle room do I have to play with my margins? So I think, you know, the information that you share from a buyer's perspective with your experience and, and, and taking the time to walk us through, um, you know, what you've seen, what you're looking for, I think is really going to help. So thank you so much. Thank you, and you're very welcome. I appreciate being here, and um, yeah, happy to help the community. Thank you for listening to another episode of Equity For Real. Till next time, peace.